We should have recorded that. So it's the pre-credit sequence. We, we should have, yeah, but didn't. We could fake it. If you want. And funeral for a friend's great. Rain of Superman's better. No, it's not as good now, is it? Not really, no. Oh, okay. Funeral. Unlike women, we can't fake it. But, um, Rain of Superman is better, though. Thank you very much. From file A56-7W, classified top secret subject is... Hey kids, comics! Comic books. An art form early alive. We can rebuild them. We have the technology. With digital downloads and bookstore penetration, which sounds a bit rude, we can make them better than they were before. Better. Stronger. Green milk. Mm. How appropriate. And ham. <laughs> That's green eggs. Well, it's a dairy product, so maybe they do green milk. Maybe they do. That's true. And green bacon. Are you ready? Green milk and bacon. Green milk and bacon, yeah. Are we ready? There's your sequel. Are we, are we, are we preparing to, to start now? Okay. <clears throat> I've spelled episode wrong. Oh, have you spelled it? Episode. 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 Hello, lovely people, and welcome to another shiny, happy episode of Hey Kids Comics with your illustrious hosts, Andrew Leyland, a man barely alive, and Michael Leyland, physician, scientist. We hope that today we're sufficiently silly. Only sufficiently. Only sufficiently. I like Um, being a physician. You like being a physician? I like science. Physician. Scientist. But have you ever searched for a way to tap into the hidden strength that all humans have? Yep. Oh, good. Did it work? Have you seen them on my watch? No. <laughs> it backfired, did it? Yeah. <laughs> Incredible wimp. Um, today, we may have given it away a bit, though. Yeah. We're going to do another show about a character I adore that has somehow slipped through the net over last year. I think we should categorise these as, how the hell have we not talked about that yet? That should yep. be a season, shouldn't it? Well, that's what we're doing anyway. Well, we're kind of doing that, yeah. Right. Uh, in case you haven't guessed, this week... It's the Incredible Hulk. The creature is driven by rage and pursued by an investigative reporter. Is this your background on the character? No, it's just the TV show. Uh, The Hulk, created by Stan Lee and Jack Kirby in 1962, was not successful initially, lasting only six issues of his own comic, but has become, over the years, one of Marvel's most recognisable pop culture icons. I first met the Hulk via the Ken Johnson-produced television series, which ran from 77 to 82, and starred the late Bill Bixby and Lou Ferrigno. Uh, I'm not going to go into detail about the Incredible Hulk TV show because there's been talk of myself, marvellous Michael Baylor, yes. and sensational Scott Garner doing an entire episode of their show, Back to the Bins, okay. which is an excellent podcast that you should be listening to in case you're not, oh. uh, on that very topic. Much like the Six Million Dollar Man show we've already that we done did. the Hulk TV show. We've, we've done a commentary on the Hulk TV show. But you're doing We're doing a, a full in-depth look at the entire series. Hopefully, I hope that happens. Oh, okay. Because both gentlemen are always a joy to chat to. Comparing to the comics? Uh, no, I think we're just going to look Comparing at the TV show. characterizations? No, I don't know. I think we're just going to... No, no, I don't think we're... <laughs> hmm? 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 
Friends become enemies, enemies become friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we're not a Family Guy podcast. Uh, instead, we're going to follow the tried and tested, tried and tested, tried and true, <laughs> hey kids method of looking at this character and his story through the lens of my life and the UK reprints rather than the United States editions. Oh, the, the UK reprints When did you again? first meet the Incredible Hulk, Michael? No idea. I remember vividly. Well, you do. You remember. I don't. Okay. All right. The series, just tangentially, the series got a rerun on British television on Channel 5 uh, at 9, maybe half 9, 10 o'clock in the morning on right. Saturdays and Sundays at weekends. They would show an episode each weekend. And they showed the pilot episode the weekend Angela and I got married. So, well, what did you do on your And uh, the morning of my marriage, your mum wasn't here, obviously, because oh, it was yeah. bad luck to see the, the yeah. bride before the wedding. So, me and you, you and I, yep. to be grammatically correct, <laughs> um, got up that morning and we watched the Incredible Hulk pilot episode, which just happened to be on. Yeah. It was lucky happenstance. I didn't know it was going to be on. It was just, wow, the Hulk's on. Excellent. That, that's still your favourite day, just because of the Hulk. Yes, just because of the Hulk. Yeah. And then we went to Grandma's, Nan's. And yeah. you stayed with Namway, I went for a run. And then we got ready and we went and got married and a jolly good day was had by all. Especially because we left you at home while we went off on our honeymoon. Right. <laughs> so, we would watch that every weekend in bed. And it ran for a couple of years, off and on. Okay. And so you got to the point where you were about three or four. How old were you when we got married? Three. Were you? Awful. Something like that. Anyway, so he was three or four, maybe five, going on five years old. And we'd watch it in bed every Saturday and Sunday morning. And every time he would hulk out, you would go, dip, 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 and then you'd hide because you didn't like the hulk outs. But then, as soon as he'd hulked out, you were fine. It was the eyes. Was it the eyes? I always loved those bits when I was a kid. Anyway, now that we've digressed slightly to do exactly (laughs) what I said we wouldn't do and talk a bit about the television show, uh, we're going to mention something else I've talked about before because this this show is nothing if not repetitive. Um, I've mentioned before the UK. Yes, (laughs) well, that's going back a bit, isn't it? Uh, I've mentioned before the UK annuals, which came out and continue to come out every Christmas. These were hard-backed, full-colour, normally around 64 to 80 pages of superheroic entertainment. The Hulk TV show premiered over here in May of 1978. I distinctly remember watching the pilot episode of this with now. Okay. Um, and I was instantly addicted to the TV show. I loved the TV show as a kid. I still do, don't I? Yeah. I still like the whole TV show. It's your Friday night Angie's Asleep TV. Yeah, <laughs> when your mum falls asleep. <laughs> Incredible. <laughs> or the $6 million man at the minute. Yeah. Kind of alternating. Or Babylon 5. Yeah. I'm on a Babylon 5 kick as well at the minute. Really? Um, yeah. It's a good show, Babylon 5, for its first four years. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, we're not a Babylon 5 podcast. Uh, For Christmas 1978, my grandparents bought me the Incredible Hulk Annual 1979, along with the Spider-Man Annual, Batman Annual, and Superman Annual. Guess which characters are still my favourites today? Would they be Hulk, Spider-Man, Batman, and Superman? No, it's Batgirl, Aquaman, Plastic Man. (laughs) Dial H for Hero. Dial H for Hero, yes! (laughs) Oh, you're making me cough. Um, the, The... the annual from 1979 boasted an excellent cover by Gary Brodsky and Joe Sinnott of the Hulk underwater, battling a funny guy with pointy ears and green trunks, who I remember as a kid I thought was the man from Atlantis, presumably okay. due to the television show that was on at the same time. 
Yeah. Starring Patrick Duffy as the titular man from Atlantis. Alright. Uh, I remember being very confused by the story, A Refuge Divided, which reprinted the US Incredible Hulk Annual Number no. 1 from 1968, because not only did the Hulk speak, he never once turned into Bruce Banner in the story. Okay. He's the Hulk all the way through. I remember expressing these concerns to my granddad, who said, They always change things from the books, that's why books are better. Okay. Words that have stayed with me to this day. Yep. <laughs> you can attest to that, can't you? Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, what happened with Elle Confidential after I read the book? Where were you hit? We I, now, I now dislike the film intensely. Even though it was your favourite It was. I loved Elle Confidential. I thought it was a fantastic film until I read the book. Mm. And the book is just so much more complex and so much deeper and so much more ambiguous that the, the, the film now looks like a, a children's TV version of the book. Well, books can kill uh, TV. They can. The, the boot was just so much better. Um, it was backed up by the Defender of the Realm, which was a reprint of Defenders 52 from October 1977, which will have been quite a recent reprint at the time. Uh, there's a really funny interior art piece of the Marvel superhero Spider-Man, The Thing, Hulk, Captain America, etc., marching over the Earth playing musical instruments. Most amusingly, the Hulk is plucked the strings on his violin and Dee is playing the panpipes. I thought it quite yeah. amusing that Daredevil was playing the panpipes. Maybe that's just me. <laughs> I get it. There you go. My parents found Hulk Annual 1978 in a second-hand bookshop, and this one featured another excellent brodsky Sinnott cover of Banner hulking out in a chamber of some kind. An atom chamber. Yeah, possibly. Well, it's Betty Ross, Thunderbolt Ross, and Major Talbot look on. The word hooked doesn't begin to cover it. This one reprinted Origin of the Hulk, Enter the Chameleon, a Titan rides the train, the horde of the humanoids, on the rampage against the Reds and the power of Dr. Banner, basically a reprint of Hulk Annual 2 from 1969, uh, by Steve Ditko, uh, and I adored him because I like Steve Ditko. Okay. Uh, I still liked and watched the TV show, but from that point on, the comics were where it was at for me. Marvel continued to publish Hulk Annuals through 1985, the 1979 and 1980 editions capitalised on the popularity of the TV show, featuring stills of Bixby and Farino on the covers and articles on the show inside. Some of these articles are quite interesting, dealing with the transformation from Banner to Hulk, complete with behind-the-scenes photos, articles on the difference between the show and the comics, and even an article about gamma rays. In addition, these annuals had text stories, reprinted US material alongside UK-originated material set within the continuity of the TV show and burying the actors' likenesses rather than the comic books. 1981 went back to featuring art based on covers and stories reprinted from the US, Mogul, Again the Glob and Shadow on the Land from Hulks 127, 129 and 184 respectively, and tech stories that again felt more like the TV show than the comics. 1982 however, is the annual I wish to talk about tonight, and I can hear the audience breathe a sigh of relief that the history lesson is over. But apparently the cat isn't. No, no, he's, he's most intrigued. Where are you going? What do you want? You're in the way of the microphone. Thank you very much. Uh, it's an excellent cover that unfortunately is unsigned, but presumably it's a UK commission of Banner undergoing a Hulk out again. I never get bored of seeing the Hulk outs when they're done properly. It's like the Superman shirt rip or the General Lee jump in a ditch. It's cool every single time I see it. Unless it's Superman Returns. Unless they blow it like Superman Returns, oh, yeah. Smallville. Smallville actually did a very good shirt rip. Yeah, it was it's CG, though. Everything else around it was crap. No, yeah. the, the one I'm talking about is when he was wearing black. Oh, right. But they did a really good shirt oh, rip. I was on about the last episode. Oh, yeah. That was, uh, <laughs> enough said about that, I think. 
Um, I can't find any record of these covers being used for the US anywhere, so I'm going to post them all on the website for you to look at. I'll post all the annual covers, even the ones we're not covering, so uh-huh. you, you can just, get it. Just for kicks. Yeah, so that people can have a look at them. There may be people who weren't born, like you, who've never seen these. I can just go up to my bookshelf. But shelf. you can just go up to the bookshelf. I've book got shelf. all your annuals. Yes, yes, but the people who are listening may not. Well. Plus, we're an audio medium, so they may not, you know. Know what we're Did talking you get these about. annuals in America? No. There we go. Then. These are British. And most of our audience American. Um, one of the largest downloaders is America, yeah. So I'm going to put them all on the website for people to look at. Uh, they're really worth it if you want to check them out. Opening the annual gives a two page spread of more UK only artwork of the Hulk being attacked in a cave by long tentacles. Wow, hentai. Whilst being approached unbeknownst from behind by a large sludge monster. It's an awesome image that I really want to read the story behind. Mm. Uh, interestingly, my nan's clipped off the price in the corner. She always did. Didn't yes, she? she always did that. What do you think of that cover, Michael? I do like it. It's great, isn't it? Banner hulking out. Probably because of the pencil stroke. Yeah, it's brilliant. I'd love to know who drew that, but there's no, there's never any way of finding out with the UK stuff. If they don't sign it, yeah. you're out of luck. I like the lack of the background too. Yes. Well, I like the, the what's that, the sign? Is that the sign of the atom in the background? Yep. It's brilliant, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It's a fantastic cover. It's a shame that a lot of these annuals would publish the cover again on the back, but without any of the co- cover copy. But this one hasn't done that. This one's got the cover copy on, which is a real shame, because I would like to have just seen that as a piece of art. But, you know, c'est la vie. This annual reprinted one of my all-time favourite Hulk stories, and six shall crush the Hulk, which was reprinted from Incredible Hulk Annual 5, which was released on the 13th of July, 1976. Uh, the US cover's pretty fun. A montage of her of the six most savage foes of all. Scripted by Chris Claremont, with art by Sal Buscema and Jack Abel. The issue was plotted and edited by Len Wein, whilst the colouring was by Glynis Wein and the lettering by Joe Rosen. Do you have anything to say about this before we carry on? No. No, nothing at all. Nothing about the interior art? It's nice. <laughs> you stayed away from Sarah. Right? Yeah. Excellent. Good. We could make a t-shirt out of it. We could, yes. I prefer sufficiently silly. Hey, kids comics. It's alright. <laughs> that can be on the back. Yeah. <laughs> hey, kids comics. Sufficiently silly on the front. We need to make that happen. We do. That would be quite cool. Uh, so the story begins. Fort Carson, Colorado. The Hulk has been hunted by the military. Of course, the Hulk fights back. For once, the soldiers aren't hunting the Hulk. Apparently he's wandered into a top-secret base of some kind that they have orders to defend. The Hulk cares not for the affairs of man. He just wants to be left alone. To that end, the Hulk pummels the floor with his mighty fists, causing trucks and tanks to fly skyward and the men of the 5th Cavalry Regiment 3rd Armoured to fly with them. With the army distracted, the Hulk leaves to be left alone. I don't think that's going to happen. No. Otherwise, we've not got much of a story. Or it could just end there. It could. That would be the end of the issue. <laughs> the Hulk lands in the forests of Colorado, where he is watched by a shadowy figure on a conveniently placed TV monitor, which also has sound. This shadowy bad guy thinks of everything, doesn't he? Oh, yeah. Fortunately, the bad guy had planned for the Hulk to show up. Exactly how we planned this isn't exactly clear. And just in time for him, as his ultimate weapon is ready to be tested. <laughs> Apparently, years ago, the American government learned that alien beings with phenomenal powers visited Earth. Shadowy bad guys duplicated the deadliest of those aliens and throws a switch to unleash the first one on an unsuspecting Hulk. This he does, as the Hulk is trying to fish. Smoke appears behind the Hulk as a voice speaks from behind that Hulk should be more concerned for his life. The Hulk turns. 
Chapter 2, entitled Werther Smoke, does Diablo. Diablo, the demon from the fifth dimension. Don't we know Mr. Mixer's Pitalek? The friends. You reckon? Oh, good friends. Yeah. Okay. Declares this time he will triumph. The Hulk couldn't care less. He doesn't know who Diablo is or what he wants. As far as he's concerned, he can swivel. Hulk lunges for Diablo following a get-them-before-they-get-you approach and is swiftly outclassed as Diablo can alter his molecular density to be ephemeral one moment, yet have the force of a nuclear bomb the next. Initially, he gets the better of Hulk, turning into smoke to pollute Hulk's lungs, but the Hulk burrows through the earth and shows up behind Diablo. The Hulk rages and Diablo is assailed by the force of Hulk breath. The Hulk sees that a mighty wind intimidates Diablo and farts on him. He doesn't do that, alas, because that would have been very funny. Childish, <laughs> but funny. <laughs> so, he claps his hands together and blows Diablo away. The Hulk wanders off down the river to find peace as the shadowy figure watches. He throws another switch and the second challenger is unleashed on an unsuspecting Hulk. Chapter 3 is called, And Taboo Shall Triumph. Rising from the water behind him, Taboo announces his arrival and his intent. To destroy the Hulk. Incensed at the very idea of a talking man of mud even contemplating such an idea, the Hulk lashes out, but as anyone who ever fell over in mud can tell you, hitting it just results in slippage. Taboo cakes the Hulk in mud and solidifies it, making it easier for the Hulk to escape. The Hulk continues to lash out, smashing at the water, until he cracks the riverbed, creating a whirlpool. Unable to dig his feet into the ground like the Hulk, Taboo is unable to resist the pull of the water and is sucked away. The Hulk, tired and fed up, leaves. Somewhere behind, the military continue to pursue something that is causing interference with the NORAD communications, and though they'd rather not face the Hulk again, they feel he may be the source of the interference. The Hulk, meantime, comes to a forest, where he tries to rest, but is instead attacked by a tree. Chapter 4 is called... Are you ready for this? Okay. It is I, Groot, the monster from Planet X. The Hulk is That's attacked... A great name. It's a great name, isn't it? The Hulk is attacked not by Treebeard, but by Groot. After a bit of fighty McFightenstein, the Hulk blocks Groot's clumsy attack by invincible thorns by blocking them with a rock. He takes the rock and beats Groot into splinters. Thoroughly fed up at this point, the Hulk leaps off, but is very tired, and his leaps have nowhere near the power they usually have. In mid-leap, he is assailed by another dumb monster. Chapter 5, I am Goom! Another dumb monster, this time a flying red thing in a red nappy. I do like how he coordinates his wardrobe. Attacks the Hulk. He's ranting about enslaving humanity once before, but the Hulk doesn't care. Hulk is sick of monsters trying to kill Hulk for no reason and attacks Goom. But Goom hits Hulk with molecular condenser beams and shrinks him. The Hulk is about to be crushed on Goom's mighty fist, but the Hulk fights back. He breaks free of Goom's grasp and by sheer force of will negates his condenser ray and returns to normal size. He then picks up Goom, swings him around and hurls him off a cliff. And it's only when I'm reading this aloud that I realise the name Goom is intensely silly. <laughs> uh, then he rails on him, bringing the entire cliff face down on both of them. Hulk awakens and busts free of Goom. There is no sign, which is fortunate because it means I don't have to say Goom again. Goom! Goom! The Hulk wanders off more tired than ever when a thunderstorm rolls in and lightning strikes the Hulk. The lightning is given form. Chapter 6, Beware the Blip. The form of the Blip appears before the Hulk and declares his fate will be death. 
The Hulk goes north for Cracklemouth, as he names it, and he's blasted for his troubles. Despite the many megavolts of electricity coursing through him, the Hulk does not yield, lifts the blip into the air and throws him into the nearby electricity cables, shorting out blip and presumably the entire Kiantari's dam. With the blip gone, the Hulk passes out, is wrapped up in the earth and then taken unawares to the underground lure of the shadowy villain. His passing is witnessed by the 5th Cavalry Regiment, who note that he is heading straight into the heart of the interference. Waking up, the Hulk is greeted by a voice he recognises and pinned down by Doc Ock-type tentacles. Chapter 7, A Titan Shall Slay Him. Turns out, it's Zemu! Oh, of course. Mm, yes, of course, Zem- Zemnu, Zemnu. Well-famous Hulk baddie. Oh, yeah. seen it coming. Yeah. Did you not see it coming? No. Nope. Ah, I was surprised I didn't guess that it was Zemnu. I know, right? Or Zemnu. He did. Every year, Hulk it was, story. It was, it was there all the way through. I was thinking, <laughs> I know who that is. I'm sure I know. He's a really, really well-famous bad guy. Up all the time. Yeah, I just can't quite put my finger on it. He's the Hulk on so many different occasions. So many different occasions. Zemnu, or Zemnu, tells the Hulk that every monster he's fought has siphoned off his strength to render him no more powerful than a human being. He hits Hulk with a Mento Blast designed to choke the Hulk, but before he can be throttled, the underground lure, copyright Ian Fleming, starts shaking. The Hulk breaks free because, as we all know, the madder Hulk gets... The stronger Hulk gets. And he trashes the hentai-inspired trap. Zemnu makes... Hulk tie. (laughs) Very good. Zemnu makes a bubble appear around him. I, I, I don't know. It's one of his many it's special of his tricks. Many, that obviously, as a Hulk fan, I should have known. Yeah. And that should not have caught me by surprise and had me sat have there you, going, you, wait a minute. Have you not seen all the play sets? I've not. I've not seen all the Zemnu toys. Zemnu. Whatever he's bloody all name rage. Is. Every kid's got them. Anyway, Zemnu has made a bubble appear around him and starts floating off. Hulk leaps after him and latches on mighty jade fingers embedded in Zemnu's escape bubble as they burst free. The lure is beneath sea level, so Hulk keeps stum as Zemnu taunts him. The bubble emerges from inside the dam and the cause of the explosion is revealed to be the 5th Cavalry Regiment dropping depth charges. Zemnu says that Hulk may survive being underwater, but what about in the vacuum of space? Hulk ain't going nowhere and smashes the bubble, causing both combatants to fall to earth. Landing on the dam, they round on each other as 5th Cavalry Regiment's charges hit pay dirt, destroying Zemnu's underground lure, copyright Ian Fleming, and causing the dam to give way. Hulk and Zemnu fall into the torrent and disappear beneath the waves. With the interference gone, General Harrison orders his men to stand down, and, miles downstream, the Hulk emerges with no sign of Zemnu. The strongest one there is leaps away. The universal And then... That was Stephen J. Cannell, wasn't it? Was it? Completely different show. Which was the let's throw away the sheet of paper one? That was Stephen J. Cannell. Page one. Point blank range rocket launchers can't hurt the Hulk. Well, maybe he's just really, really mad and strong already. (laughs) I I mean, he did survive a planet full of a nuclear bomb in Planet Hulk, so maybe he could survive a rocket launcher. Oh, of course he could survive a rocket launcher. He's the Hulk. Oh, yeah. The Hulk is the strongest one there is. So if he's the madder Hulk gets, the stronger Hulk gets, what if you shoot him whilst he's asleep? Why is Bruce Banner? If you shoot him while he's the Hulk and asleep, it would still have no effect on him because he's the Hulk. But he's not mad, he's calm. Unless he's having a really bad dream. Yeah, but the Hulk's still pretty strong. You'd have to shoot him when he was Bruce Banner when he was asleep. Okay. Okay. Uh, The Hulk throws a tank on page two, which is just very, very cool. Well, well, yeah, it is cool. (coughs) 
two days later and that soldier's in a hospital bed because <laughs> he's paralysed and now his heartbroken wife has to get two jobs and an extra shift at the diner to pay for the insurance and to look after the three children. Uh, I presume <laughs> that the tank has nobody in it. Well, no, but the guy that hit... It doesn't hit him. He's out of the way. That clearly hits it him. It clearly does not hit him. That's why he's jumping like he's that. He's jumping out the way, yes. So it, he's perfectly fine. That hits his back. It does not hit It's the tree behind him. Where's the tree? <laughs> That's to the side. It's the tree. It hits the guy. It doesn't. Anyway, the Hulk's pants change colour at the top of that pad. Yeah. Suddenly he's wearing jeans instead of purple pants. He's amazing pants. Mm. Well, well, also on this page, um, this is a top secret base and the orders say no intruders. Indeed. Well, maybe there wouldn't be any intruders if you didn't advertise like that. <laughs> if you didn't have a sign saying top secret base, no intruders. And of course... <laughs> But it, it had to be the one black guy. And just in case you didn't know here, a little backstory on the character, he's also getting too old for this. <laughs> and uh, he's also retiring in two more days. <laughs> he's played by Daddy Glover. <laughs> oh, dear me. Uh, page four. It is exactly as planned, says the bad guy. What? The, the Hulk would just randomly drop in on him? What kind of plan's that? Well... Just hope somebody's going to show up. Oh, Perry the Platypus. <laughs> exactly as I planned. He randomly appeared in my back garden. How fortuitous that I just have to have a camera there that moves. And has sound. These speakers all over. Uh, very amusing. Uh, page five is a lovely little scene where there's two guys fishing and uh, they're not paying attention and the Hulk rolls up behind them and they end up offering him a fisherman pole. And it's straight out of the TV show, is not it? Mm. That is something they would have done in the television show. It's a genuine smile. I thought that was, that was quite charming. Yeah. Did you? Yeah. Okay, fair they, they left him, though. All he wanted was a fish. Yeah, well, you have to teach him to fish. Like, like Gollum. Like Gollum, yeah. To teach a man to fish, he'll eat for a lifetime. Give him a fish, he'll just eat for the day. Well, well, you, you teach man a fish you won't eat for a lifetime. I mean, do, do, do you know how long it takes to even get one fish sometimes? You know how clever those little scum are. They're very smart. Page six is the first page of chapter two. And here we have the first deviation from the American edition. In the US, there's a footnote pointing out the last appearance of Diablo, the smoke monster from the fifth dimension, not the FF alchemy-based bad guy. Whereas the UK edition deletes this in favour of some badly penciled-in text. (laughs) I mean, it looks like it was added in by a seven-year-old, doesn't (laughs) it? It's really faint, so it's very difficult to read. It gets much worse as it goes along. Um, At least the UK editors deleted the asterisk denoting the footnote on this page. So at least you're not sat there with words with asterisk, though. So, uh, were the smokers Diablo, eh? Oh, God. However, we'll hope to defeat the burned marshmallow man. <laughs> he does look a bit cuddly, doesn't he? he, he, he they all do, to be honest. They all do look a bit cuddly, that's very the, true. Is this, um, Secret Wars was the toy line? Is this the plush line? <laughs> I would love a Zemnu plush. Oh, yeah. I really would. <laughs> Go on. Uh, page seven. Hulk's fist goes right through smoke thing like Hulk was hitting her. Hitting her? <laughs> hitting her. Alright. Well, Hulk, that's because smoke and her are both gases. Now, I know you don't have the intellect of Bruce Banner, but this is primary school stuff. Well, Hulk's only supposed to have the intellect of a three-year-old, doesn't I'm, he? I'm really? sure a three-year-old know gas and her. Uh, they probably don't know that they're both gases. Smoking well, no, they're both smoking. You know that they can't touch them. Hurry. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, page 8. Well, I loved the Hulk thinking his way out of Diablo's hold. Um, Diablo's smothering him 
and he's he's going to suffocate him, isn't he? The Hulk burrows downwards and comes up behind him and then smashes him from behind, which is very, very funny. It does make Diablo seem a bit thick. Firstly, he follows the Doctor Doom approach to villainy in that he talks in the third person. And my God, does he talk. Don't he all talks incessantly. Secondly, it's a real small hole that, considering the Hulk has supposedly climbed through it. Mm. Thirdly, the Hulk inadvertently comes upon the way to stop Diablo, and Diablo mentions it. Because oh he actually no. yells at wind. him, doesn't he? And um, the wind from the Hulk's breath causes Diablo to go, Buy the Black Nebula! Which in and of itself was very <laughs> yeah. funny. But uh, he actually says, I must stop him before he realises what he is doing to me. And all those S's are in the dialogue. Ah, water, my only, uh, yes. my only enemy. So, because of his continual chatter, the Hulk realises that using his Hulk hands to create a windstorm, he can blow Diablo away, literally. And it's all Diablo's fault. Yeah. What a diver. So, oh, no. I, I have you in my grasp, Hulk, but first let me tell you my weakness. <laughs> no, don't throw me in the briar patch. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, no, actually, don't. Don't throw me in the briar patch, bro, Fox. Page nine has a wonderful first panel in which the Hulk smiles, and it's both adorable and just a tiny little bit creepy at the same time, because whilst it's nice to see the Hulk even the slightest bit happy for once, you know that when the Hulk smiles, it's not going to end well for somebody. It's going to go quite badly. I love that Hulk calls Diablo Smoke Thing. Whosoever knows cigarettes will have lungs that burn at the hands of Smoke Thing. <laughs> also in this page, Diablo once again tells the Hulk how to beat him. Yeah. How dumb is he? Oh no, in my moments of need, in my last breath, I will tell you how to do the finishing move. <laughs> left, left, wide, down. <laughs> It's comedy gold. I do like that. Um, Hulk, stop! I beg you, you're destroying me! And he goes, Hulk does not care, and just pats him away. In, in, in Hulk's head, he's got a voice in the background going, Finish him! <laughs> Finish him now! It's very good. I was very impressed. Uh, page 10. The shadowy figure has TV cameras everywhere. TV cameras that seem to be able to change angle. Even as a kid, they used to bug the hell out of me. You know when bad guys on TV shows would watch good guys via secret cameras and the footage would have close-ups and long shots and angles that they couldn't possibly have if it was a stationary camera. Okay. Really irritated me. Did you have a childhood at all? Everything you said about this, everything that bugged you and nagged at you, it it, it seems like you just weren't analysing everything. I spent my entire childhood being angry. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Six million dollar man couldn't do that. It angers me. Why do his pants rip when he hooks out? Angers me. I answered that question singleton. He's like, oh yeah, have you explained why his pants don't rip? <laughs> well, yeah, because it was a comic came for all ages and I'm sure parents wouldn't agree with a big giant hulk swapping yes. out in front of the children's faces. You, know, you just want to say that like, it was on at 7.30 at night. Do you want your kids watching Hulk Wang? <laughs> I don't think it's... Yeah, well, I've got to look at the sausage on your fork and go, Jesus! Mom, Hulk sausage is bigger than mine! Anyway, but <laughs> the camera stuff, to get back on topic, was wonderfully spoofed in an episode of Buffy. Do you remember that one? Um, They're all watching some security footage on a camera and Willow says, zoom in on it, and Xander looks at her patronisingly and says, Willow, it's a VCR, we can't do that. And later on, Buffy says, rewind that, and Xander says... We can't do... 
Oh yeah, we can. Do you remember that one? No. I thought it was funny. Also, after destroying the Hulk, for reasons heretofore unknown, he's going after the Defenders. He's going after the A-listers, isn't he? The, the, the Defenders. Yes. <laughs> Maybe not. Who are the Defenders? The Defenders. Originally, the Defenders were Doctor Strange, oh, Namor, and the then. Hulk. And, and the Viking woman. Yes, Valkyrie. Oh, yeah. Subsequently, they would be a bunch of no-hopers, I think. Mm. Although, James Dematis did some good stuff with Gargoyle. Is it DC's equivalent, or... Marvel did Alpha Flight. Marvel did Alpha Flight, yes. And uh, West Coast Westlake Avengers. Yes. Westlake, West Coast Avengers. Ma- Marvel are great on and the CD listers. Didn't they do Titans West as well? Yeah. For the for the Teen Titans. Uh, page 11, if I can actually find it. Taboo is Mudface. <laughs> the Hulk has a way with words, doesn't he? <laughs> he looks really big on that first page and then shrinks over time. Well, he does, yeah. It is. But I, I love the art in this, though. I think the art's fantastic. If uh, Taboo is made of mud, then isn't the water like his natural enemy? The Hulk's won <laughs> by default, so emerging from the water, he's already lost. Um, maybe he's not the most natural place to fight, no. Mm. Yes, possible. Mud, wait, whoa, slipping away. <gasps> Hulk, can we fight on land? No, Hulk will beat Talking Man of Mud, <laughs> which is great. I love the Hulk's dialogue in this comic. Uh, page 12, once again, the uh, UK edition removes the footnote from panel 4, and the asterisk replacing it with even more badly scribbled in caption box that's barely legible. It, it's unreadable. Yeah, do you think the, the editor got his seven-year-old <laughs> child to do these? Probably. It's shocking, isn't it? Can't be us doing it. Page like Larry 13. Do this for me. Yeah, they, they let him have crayon instead of a proper pen. Yeah. Uh, page 13, Taboo scores over Diablo in as much as at least he doesn't talk in the third person. I do love that Hulk lashes out at Taboo the way all kids do when they're in a swimming pool by splashing him with the palms of his hand mm. and shoving water at him <laughs> really fast. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> like you do, your brother. <laughs> Shut up. Drown, damn you. So, so does that mean Taboo um, cries constantly and turns around going, Evil! <laughs> Page 15, Treebeard! <laughs> Apparently Groot is lord of all the timber in the galaxy. That, that's such a great... Uh, that's what he says, isn't it? No matter, Groot is the monarch of Planet X, the overlord of all the timber in the galaxy. So I can defeat you with a smoker. Yes. Well, I appear to have a match. <laughs> Groot. Do, do you think he photosynthesizes? <laughs> I don't know what he does. <laughs> I love Groot, though. Look at his fingers. His fingers are awesome. What, what are his organs? I, I don't really... Well, what was Diablo's? I suppose, yeah. <laughs> if you're going to think it through oh, like oh, that. Or Taboo. Or Taboo, yeah. So in that case, what are Clayface's organs like? I, I, I think we mentioned that when we did the Christmas one, don't we? Oh, what, yeah. what are Clayface's organs like? Not that organ. Obviously, we don't want to go there. I love the Hulk's line here about talking smoke, talking mud, and now talking tree. Interestingly, Groot doesn't warrant a footnote at all. You got everything you need to know about him. Yes, that he's, monarch of, he's planet the monarch X and, of Planet X and ruler of all timber. Yep. <laughs> all you need to do is set Woody Woodpecker on him. No, go away! Infernal animal! Page 17, once again, the bad guy gives the Hulk the means by which to dispose of him, by pointing out the Hulk's blows have no effect because he's rooted to the floor. Yeah. So then the Hulk just rips the floor up. 
loved this comic. I really did. It's silly though. It's so much fun. I just love that. <laughs> I'm rooted to the floor. No, 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 no. I'll just have a time at all. We'll just crash the floor. God. Uh, page 18. Groot's invincible forms apparently need a new name. Okay. They don't seem that invincible, seeing as the Hulk fights his way out of them with a big rock. Well. And then he beats him to splinters. Awesome. Well, the Hulk has a second to think about the thorns and yes. then to do something about them. Yes. So he then spends ten seconds <laughs> telling us what he's going to do before he actually does it. Well, there's a there's a certain artistic license with stuff like this. And I mean, we've talked before that Spider-Man will have one conversation, but it will last the entire length of New York City. Yeah. So I'll, I'll cut the Hulk some slack there, that that's just artistic license. I loved this. I loved him beating the crap out of the tree. I don't know why. I just thought it was hysterical. Then he just smashed it to splinters. <laughs> Genuinely loved it. Um, there's some fantastic art by Sal Buscema on page 19 as the Hulk just relentlessly pounds on Groot with two rocks, smashing him to kindle. What's particularly impressive about these three panels in the middle of the page is it's all from Groot's point of view. So all we see is an enraged Hulk literally beating something to death. So that changes the rules of rock, paper, scissors. (laughs) Don't play rock, paper, scissors with the Hulk. (laughs) What do you mean, paper, beats rock? (laughs) Bang, 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 bang! (laughs) Comedy gold. Page 20 is likewise hysterical. The final two panels have the Hulk knocked out of the sky mid-leap, and as he crawls up, he prays this isn't another dumb monster. This is followed by a panel later by the Hulk saying, Hulk knew it. It is another dumb monster. And the line just works on so many levels. One, it's hysterical, (laughs) albeit a little obvious as a punchline for the entire story. But two, the inherent irony in the Hulk calling something a dumb monster. Yeah. And three, the subtext that the Hulk doesn't think of himself as a dumb monster, which is quite telling, Mm. and has been proven by this entire story. He's, He's quite far from dumb. Yeah. And for Hulk's funny. Hulk's got a sense of humour. I love that. Like, Hulk knew it. It is another dumb monster. (laughs) 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 Oh, but on page 21, it just gets better. (laughs) Goom is here. Goom is some red-looking thing with a red nappy on. He's only got two toes and three (laughs) fingers. He looks a bit like Barber Papa. It has to be said, but he's got wings under his arm. Oh, I thought he was adorable, especially those little shorts. <laughs> you think he's adorable in his little pants? Oh, yeah. I don't think he's quite as cuddly as Zemnu. Oh, no. When we get that. It's his big head. <coughs> the, um, the Goom's footnote from the US original has again been replaced in the UK reprint by a crayon. Uh, again, you can barely read it. The Hulk hears the challenge and his anger erupts. In the US one, it tells you the previous issue that Goom was in, which was Tales to Suspense or something like that. Tales to Suspense. Tales in Suspenders, something (laughs) like that. Uh, Page 22, the final panels are fantastic. Goom shrinks the Hulk and is about to crush him in his fist. And the Hulk busts loose. And the look on Goom's face in the final panel of that page is priceless. It's like, what's going on? (laughs) This wasn't in the brochure. (laughs) 
come to Earth, have fun beating on the Hulk. They didn't say the Hulk would fight back. <laughs> well, would Hulk's mass change? W- no. Would it not stay the same if he shrinks, and also wouldn't he just be as strong? Yeah, well, that's one of the problems with shape-shifting people, isn't it? They have to explain where all the extra mass goes. Whereas, no, the Hulk would remain presumably the same weight. Yeah. So Goom wouldn't be able to pick him up. Unless he's very strong. But why didn't you just pick him up anywhere, then? Suppose <laughs> You could have just picked him up by the neck or something, or by the hair. <laughs> that would be amusing. Uh, page 23, another removed footnote. This one's illegible. Yeah. I can't, I can't even hazard a guess what that one's supposed to say. Um, that's a reference to a previous issue of the Hulk in the US original. Page 24, both here and in the US original, the Hulk becomes a darker hue. Oh, yeah. For some reason, he's a darker green. I actually prefer him as dark green rather okay. than light green. I don't know why. I just do. I presume it's just a colouring mistake. Page 25, the Hulk rails against the weather, telling the clouds to go away because he doesn't want to get wet. <laughs> I well, like this for some reason. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I've just done me her. <laughs> Spetulant teenager. I really did like that. Um, There's a bit of a gap in the UK annually why the Hulk teaches you how to exercise. And then chapter 6 starts, page 26 of the story, with the blip. (laughs) Really. The best name they could come up with for a lightning monster was the blip. Lightnosaur. (laughs) Lightnosaur's pretty good. Uh, The Hulk mistakes him for Zax. Which makes it sound like you're stuttering, but you're not. That that does start with three Zs, which is a bit of a better name, but it still sounds like somebody from a boy band. Or, or, or the, the master of the beehive. <laughs> Zax. <laughs> uh, two footnotes on this page, both omitted from the UK reprint, but at least you can read what they've replaced them with. Yeah. Which makes us change. Well, the blip is, well, it's more than a stupid name. Yeah. Well, what about Electro? I think that one's taken. Static shock. Um, possibly already gone. Black lightning. He's not black. Yellow lightning. <laughs> Yellow lightning works. <laughs> I'm having that. Page 27. The blip talks in elongated Zs, which is really funny if you read your comics aloud like I sometimes do. Uh, I mean, like I've heard oh, yeah, yeah. that some people do. Just, just here's some dialogue for you. Once more, the blip finds himself trapped on this barbaric backwash world. And they've left the asterisks in. You'll note. <laughs> yeah. I have seen how you reacted to those other beings, Hulk, and have found you as full of hate and violence as the rest of humankind. I love the Hulk's afro on panel four <laughs> yeah. of this page as Blip electroshocks him, which causes his hair to stand on end. This is brilliant, isn't it? Sign of the time. Yeah. <laughs> Shaft! <laughs> Hulk! <laughs> Who's the baddest mofo? <laughs> Hulk! Hey, She-Hulk, she's my bottom bitch now. <laughs> Page 30. Another removed footnote, but again, at least this one's legible. Whereas before we couldn't make out a thing. In the US original, this mentioned Defenders 12 as being the last time Zemnu met the Hulk. It does seem a shame of all the monsters in this issue Zemno is the least threatening yeah. if memory serves he ends up being a teddy bear in an issue of She-Hulk okay. I'm sure he gets turned into a teddy bear he does look like one he does look like a rather cuddly plush doesn't he <laughs> yeah. with three fingers Yeah. 
Well, they all only have a, a reduced amount of fingers, don't they? I do. I do wonder how Zemu talks as well, given that he's, he's got no he's got no visible mouth. You know, Bane in the new movie. We just do it. <laughs> what? I can't hear you. Oh, I've had enough of this. Hulk smash. Page 31 through 35. The final fight scene is pretty good, but it seems that Zemnu's flying bubble comes out of nowhere and is pretty convenient, especially as the writers have done a good job of seeding the story until now. It's also a bit unsatisfying that Hulk isn't allowed to defeat Zemnu properly, rather than both being victims of circumstance. I was a bit wary of picking this story, as it was a long-time favourite, and sometimes the memory cheats a little bit with regards to stories you loved as a kid. Uh, I don't. I needn't have feared. I had a huge, goofy grin on my face for most of this story. Sure, it's a bit repetitive, but the monsters yeah. are fun. The Hulk is downright sneaky in places, and the art is gorgeous. It reads more like Len Wein than Clermont, but that's not a criticism. For once, UK readers don't get screwed over, as there's no edits to speak of. And this is just the fun kind of read that they just don't do anymore. What did you think, Michael? I thought it was alright for what it was but it, it, it did seem silly and it was very repetitive like <coughs> a video game the Hulk's equivalent of a video game boss rush mode <laughs> I, I, I it, it was just it. Mortal Kombat it was but come on it was fun man yeah. damn some of this was fun stuff <laughs> goom goom <laughs> it, was, it was great yeah. uh, in addition to the reprinted story that we just covered there are two stories. One of them, again, following TV show continuity as Banner's name is David Bruce, whilst the other feels like a TV show story, but Banner's name is just Bruce. There's also some bodybuilding tips from the Hulk, in which Neymar holds the Hulk's feet while he does sit-ups, which I thought was awesome. Stupid fish man! Help Hulk exercise! I once bought out a movie studio and almost outsmarted the Fantastic Four. And here I am, reduced to helping the Hulk! Uh, more background information on this. See, the Fantastic Cast. Oh, thank you. I was going to put a plug in for Fantastic oh, Cast. There you go. Oh, I, I appreciate the way you did that organically, mm. and I didn't draw any attention to it. Mm. Uh, anyone to think this was a professional operation? Oh, yeah. The annuals continued for two more years before the, the cancellation of the TV show obviously led to a drop in sales, or maybe Grand Dreams, who published these for Marvel, lost the license. The 1983 annual republished Beauty and the Beast from Hulk number 5 with the first page lopped off, and The Day the Earth Turned Green from Hulk Annual 11. Two new tech stories and a new cover rounded out this package. The curtain drew in 1984 with the final UK annual for over 20 years. This one had an excellent cover of the rhino attacking the Hulk and the interior reprints were What If Rick Jones Had Become the Hulk from What If Number 12 and a really badly edited Ring Around the Rhino which takes 20 page US original from Hulk 104 and cuts it down to 16 pages to accommodate two lacklustre tech stories I think I'd rather have had all of Ring Around the Rhino this was a rather ignominious end for the annuals. When they started, obvious care was taken in picking the stories, commissioning new art and writing the articles. By the time they finished, they were reprinted anything that fitted. The annuals made a comeback in the early 2000s to coincide with the movies, but they didn't have the same luster that they had when this was the only place to read glorious colour stories and hardback graphic novels were decades away. OK, so what have you chosen, young Michael, in your Hulk? Ah! I just knocked stuff on the floor! <laughs> It did indeed, Hulk smash. Yes, well done. What have you chosen, young Mikey boy? Well, 
A Grant Morrison. No. no. <laughs> God for that. For my choice, I've chosen an issue from my favourite and probably only run of the whole. I keep saying I'll get you the Peter David stuff down. It's really good stuff. Oh, okay. But I chose Fall of the Hulk's Gamma, which is set in between issues 18 and 19 of the Hulk by Jeff Loeb. That comes under the Red Hulk saga. Yes, well, we, we really enjoyed Red Hulk, didn't we? It was fun, yeah. It, it didn't have any story to it other than Hulk hits this, Hulk smashes that, Hulk fights who? But it was good. Oh, yeah. Also, for anyone inter- interested in reading all the story, like me, then according to the Comic Book Resources Forum, I did research on this. Excellent! Alpha comes before Gamma, funnily enough, right? Funnily enough, yeah. Followed by Red Hulk 1, Incredible, Incredible Hulk 606, Red Hulk 2, and then Hulk 19 and 20, followed by Incredible Hulk 607, which all come under the Fall of the Hulk banner. Yeah, because we've got the hardcover graphic novels of these, volumes 1 through 6. Mm. And this doesn't have to include all of the story, does it? Just the Jeff Loeb stuff. Yeah, just the Jeff Loeb stuff. So how much are we missing? Not much. Nothing important. Are you sure? Yep. Okay, fair enough. Uh, all the other stuff is just what Scar and Doctor Doom are up to. Right. Uh, the cover for this issue shows Red Hulk on an unmarked grave. Let me have a see. Because we to look to the cover. Yeah. We have to because we've got like I say we've got the hardcover graphic novels of these. It's a very good cover. Yeah. I like the cover a lot. With it being uh, Mr. John Romita Jr. and all. Uh, I don't remember, why does the Red Hulk have electricity coming out of his eyes? Uh, I don't think he's electricity, I think he's just really bad. No, isn't there an in-story reason why he keeps glowing like that? There is, isn't there? Is there? Yes. Isn't it the radiation? Yes, it's yeah. the radiation. You're absolutely the, right. The, the sand, like, crystallises. Yeah, when he walks on it. Yeah. Right. This issue was written by Jeff Lowe, penciled by John Reese Jr., inked by Klaus Johnson, coloured by Dean White, and lettered by Rick Osterkins in Comic Crafts, Jimmy... Betancourt. We've met John Romita Jr. We have, yeah. Yeah. Lovely bloke. Yeah. Five quid for a sketch. No, he was... Yes, and we got cut off, didn't we? Yep. Because he was giving all the money to charity as well, wasn't he? He was a very nice fella to chat to, though, wasn't he? Yeah. Anyway, carry on. That's a very small signature. Well... I'll be worth getting anything signed if that's small. I got a business spider on 600 signed. I got the guitar. There you go. Been my free comic book day Iron Man and uh, Thor issue. For more on that, see the John Byrne Iron Man Thor story issue. Yeah, that we, did. we don't remember when that was. No. <laughs> the beginning of Series 2, that wasn't it? Yeah. Samson, the long-haired one. Trust me, that really is important to the story. Okay. With her and fashion and all. Miss Marvel and Captain Bucky America <laughs> are at the scene of a crime at the reflecting pool near Washington Memorial. It happened quickly at the middle of the night, and oddly, and oddly enough, done in public. Or it could be important. Perhaps both. Samson deducts that the Red Hulk knew his assailant and that they might have been planning to meet, that the Red Hulk isn't someone anyone could just creep up on. The first shots were fired only a few miles away from 50mm casings with an adamantium tip carrying a heavy morphine payload that would slow him down. The morphine worked fast, and this made Hulk Rulk. Rulk. <laughs> sluggish and vulnerable. Every strike after that was planned and prepared. The assailant knew what he was doing, and Rulk went down. Rook? It's not like Scooby Doo, that, isn't it? Rook? Uh, can, do you want to say Red Hulk every time? No, no, no. See, Rook, it's quicker. Cap, it's a problem with this. If Iron Man's armor couldn't stand up against Hulk, see World War Hulk, then what, would, then what could have done so much damage? Samson says it was a power armor with the same vibranium core to absorb impact like Cap Shield has. The Redeemer armor, designed by Shield to take down the Hulk. We learn that in. 
then the other with General Lane. I mean, Ross. <laughs> and then one fatal blow. Well, kills him. Rock. <laughs> the body, trapped in the armor, is carried away by a helicopter. Samson says that Ross was killed because he always thought with his ego rather than his brain. Much like William Shatner. <laughs> Publicly, he'll make sure the world knows he died as a hero. Privately, he might have just put the gun in his mouth. Samson says that after the funeral, he'll kill Rulk himself. And before they leave, Cap thinks he sees someone he used to know. But that's not possible. Two days later, at the Old Post Chapel at Arlington National Cemetery, Steve, not Captain America, Rogers, <laughs> and Rick, Amon Jones, catch up and share their different views on Ross. The one question going around, though, is his banner coming? Samson gives his speech, whilst Red She-Hulk watches from an unknown, unknown location before starting a fight with that green woman. Do, it, do you was know it, who that is? Is it supposed to be Titania? Is it? From Secret Wars. Has she been hooked out now? Yeah, I think so. It's been a uh, while since I read this. Yeah. For the small amount of time it takes for Modoc to stop them. Back at the funeral, Colonel Simon Savage says it says his speech and is followed by Ben Grimms that is taken with mixed views and is interrupted by Rick Jones who to nobody's amusement but Steve's introduces Bruce Banner. Bruce's speech mostly revolves around Betty Ross and Colonel Glenn Tabbert but he does manage to squeeze in a I'm not Hulk anymore. Just to clarify. Oh yeah. C- come on guys stop being mean. You know let me back in the clubhouse. <laughs> After his speech, the coffin is carried outside with his 21-gun salute three times. The Avengers want to take Banner with them, as he's not a respected or liked man at this point in the story against the World War Hulk. But Steve tells them to give him a few more minutes to leave. Noticing this, Rick takes Bruce away. That night, two shadowy figures, copyright trademarks, stand at the grave. Glenn Tabbert and Betty Ross. Elsewhere, Samson says that there must have been an accomplice in the murder, as killing Ross doesn't fit Rulk's profile. Modoc says that Rulk used to be the most trusted ally and almost blames the leader because he had a hand in the creating the Redeemer armor. Modoc says that if Rulk's plan to create distrust in them and that knowing the most intimate details of their plan and how Ross was crucial to them, Ross's murder was the first shot and it's up to the intelligentsia, made up of Modoc, Samson, the leader, Mad Thinker, Red Ghost and Wizard, to shoot back. In The Cave, Rulk reveals that he teamed up with Banner and that for their plan to work, General Ross had to die. Which was a cracking ending. Oh, yeah. The intelligentsia are currently in the Amazing Spider-Man, aren't they? Going up against the Sinister Six. Are they? Yeah, the most recent issue. I've not read it. I won't ruin it for you, then. Okay. Dan Slott's run on is, Spider-Man. Is it it's, it's pretty fun. Okay. I mean, I suppose there's holes in it if you examine it too closely. But... Doesn't everything. Hmm. Um... We've talked about Klaus Janssen before on the show, and he can be hit and miss for both of us, but he really looks good over John Romita Jr. Mm. Romita Jr.'s work seems a lot looser than his Spider-Man days, and even his X-Men days. He became a bit Frank Miller on his time on Dear Devil, but thankfully he seems to have got over that and has matured into an excellent artist. There are times when I have some problems, because occasionally he does have a tendency to be a bit wonky, yeah. like his Spider-Man wrists or ankles will be too thin yeah. that kind of thing he but mostly from, draws people in blocks though. yeah he is quite a blocky artist for my money he's one of the best draftsmen in the business I'm, okay. I'm a really big fan of John Robinson Jr uh, page one interesting list begins exactly the same way as Red Hulk issue one with um, Doc Samson examining a crime scene that somewhere involves the Hulk 
Well, I think it might be Lowe's favourite. <laughs> he did write it um, twice in this and mm. did it um, every month in Batman as well as Satana. <laughs> it's also the beginning and end of two circles. The first being, as you just pointed out, the one at the beginning with the crime scene. And it is also the beginning of a circle that ends in the last few issues of Hulk and Rulk smashing up Washington. Now, this could just be the most uh, story seems to be set in either Washington or New York. Yeah. Uh, page four to five. Into, in addition to being a really good splash patch, where you can actually feel the impact of Red Hulk just smashing his fist into General Ross and the, the Redeemer armour yeah. that round, <coughs> this is a really good fake out if you know where the story's going. The art is fantastic here. Ramita Jr. may be the only guy left in comics who can do a panel like this, one that reminds us just of the sheer power of the Hulk, red or green, and that punch must have hurt. Brian Brian Itch may be able to pull something like this off, yeah. but even then, it'd look photorealistic mm. rather than comic booking. And I always think something like that should look like it's a comic book. Yeah, it should look like it's real. Page seven, it's Bucky in the cap suit, even though Steve Rogers is back at this point. Samson threatens to kill Red Hulk. If memory serves, Samson's been brainwashed by Modoc at this point, hasn't he? Yeah. In the in the overall story arc. Yep. Well, Steve isn't cap because apart from the fans wanting Bucky to stay, Steve, uh, when he came back, went to be the leader of the secret Avengers while Bucky stayed with the normal Avengers. Yeah, he did, didn't he? Bucky and then Bucky ended up being hunted, didn't he? Yeah. in Captain America for some reason that I've forgotten because Ed Brubacker's run's gone on for far too long now. Uh, page 8. Didn't Modoc transform Rick as well? Yep. Did he? Because I don't remember that. I love that Ben deflates Samson's pompous speech. And uh, is that Red She-Hulk's ID not known at this point? Nope. Right. Okay, that explains quite a bit then, doesn't it? Yeah. Well, in issue two, Rulk attacks Rick, causing him to get angry and turn into A-bomb. Right, yes, I do remember that. After that, it's revealed Modoc did turn um, <coughs> into... Um, Are we not spoiling that for people? Well, oh, right, okay. y- you do spoil who Red Hulk is later on. Uh, do I? Yeah. Uh, I may omit that then, I may bleep it. Right. We'll see how that goes. By turning someone into Red She-Hulk, Rick into A-bomb and Marlo Jones into Harper. And, no, in case my bad cough didn't make it obvious, we don't know who Shrulk is at this point. Shrulk? Yeah. Oh, Jesus Christ. Um, <laughs> well, see, I'm on the fence now, because part of the joy of this story was, well, who's the Red Hulk, wasn't it? Yeah. But let's be honest, every time we cover something in this show, we spoil it. Should we spoil who Shrulk is? No. Red, Red no, if we're, gonna, if we're not going to tell them who Red Hulk is... We won't tell them who Shrulk is. Okay. Okay, fair enough. This is one of those things is the joy of it is not knowing. Yeah, I did not know who Red Hulk was when I read these hardcovers. No, me neither. And it is, it's it's true that knowing something can't, does spoil your enjoyment of it. Yeah. I think part of the enjoyment of reading these, and they were just big, fun, dumb, yeah. splashy comics, but they were great fun to read, was not knowing who he was. No. And then when you get to find out who he is, and you kind of go, wait a minute, does that actually make sense? And then when you go back, yeah. it does. We don't have to go back, that revelation issue yeah, covers everything. it is, and there's an awful lot of really cool continuity in it, isn't there? Yeah. Whereas Jeff Loeb is normally someone who just 
wipes continuity under the carpet or ignores it as he sees fit. Mm. But he seemed to pay a lot of attention to Hulk continuity in this story. Well, with the intelligentsia, um, they were meant to have Tony Stark as part of the plans, but he's brained it at this point. Right, so he had to change something. Well, no, it's part of the story or something. Right. Fair enough. Page 11 has the Red She-Hulk. Again, there's a neat little clue here for those in the know. Yeah. Her dialogue in the first panel where she says, I really would have liked to have been there. Yeah. That's a cute little touch. Just Page. as uh, Samson goes ahead and talks about her. Yeah, so it's it's a very good little moment, isn't it? Mm. I really like that. Uh, page 14, Ben Grimm, a.k.a. The Thing, gives a really good eulogy. It's not fawning or glossing over the cracks in the man's personality, but honest and fur. Ross was obsessed with the Hulk. And yeah. as with all obsessions, it's what brought him down. He does make the illusion, doesn't he, that uh, he was Captain Ahab yeah. and the Hulk was his whale. Which is... Fair enough, I think. Uh, page 15 and 16 is awesome. It is. A two-page splash of the FF in Battle with the Hulk that once again Ramita Jr. just owns. You can feel the, just the sheer impact of the Hulk's blows. Whilst I have no doubt that the Hulk could trounce the thing in a fight, I always think they're pretty cool matchups. Mm. I think ultimately the, thing would own ben, um, the Hulk would own Ben Grimm. What do you think? Yeah, I think they would. I think the Hulk could would ultimately wipe the floor with him. Yeah. Ben wouldn't go down without a fight, yeah. but the Hulk would win. Well, it is a cool splash page, yeah. but it's splat in the middle of a story. Well, yes. it, And as we're reading this uh, from Hulk Volume 5 for the Hulk's hardcover by Yosuday and in the <laughs> bookstore, it would have made more sense to move this to the bonus features section. You think? Yeah. Because you think you could lose those two pages? And it, it doesn't go with the story, it just interrupts it for a bit. I suppose so. I suppose you could skip those two pages right over and it wouldn't matter, but it's... See, you, you kind of always think, oh, I'm contradicting myself here because I'm the one who slags off yeah. decompressed storytelling and this was the king of the decompressed well, story. it was decompressed, but it's fun. You oh, yeah. In a decompressed story where it's... Boring. Yeah. And this wasn't talking. boring. This was punch-outs and let's punch the watcher in the face. Yeah, it was. It was a jolly good fun story. It yeah. really was. Uh, page 18, Ricky's right. Bruce Banner should be at General Ross's funeral. I like all the reaction shots at the bottom of the page with Ben Grimm smacking his forehead and Steve Rogers smiling at Rick's chutzpah. But I do think some footnotes would have been useful. Just a few to say this happened here and here well, and here. Extra work for the editors, that though, isn't it? Yeah, but now you've brought that up. Yeah. Um it's sort of in the issues it's more of a story in the issue itself but in the volume 6 the one containing the revelation issue which was very good in my second choice this episode right. one of the bonus features is um, more information on the revelation issue yeah and um, it, that would kind of have completely spoiled it though wouldn't it yeah but it goes into more um, detail and giving you footnotes and issues on those issues well details on those issues right and when it happened and what the Hulk was doing and what his relationship was yeah that's pretty Red well Hulk. done isn't it I do yeah. remember that it's in the back of is it is it the last one volume 6 you said first issue they wrote as well right he, gave, he gave all the right, uh, artists who did it um, a fake script right. so he didn't ruin it for them right but he knew where it was all going yeah. very good uh, page 20 through 21 Bruce's eulogy is very well written very diplomatic as well under the circumstances well it's, it's diplomatic but no I should blame him really it he got sent to a planet as Hulk, got really angry when it all got blown up by people who 
superheroes who are considered good guys. Yeah. And then he gets really, really angry and smashes them up. Of course, people died at the same time, but it wasn't Bruce, it was the Hulk. Right. When did Betty and General Talbot come back to life? I don't know, I think that's why they're here, because it's... Because you've, you've told me since that... The, the dead. Yeah, they are dead. Yeah. Presumed to be dead. Mm. And he must let the world continue to think that they are dead. I, I don't know when they come back. I think this is the first we see them coming back. Right, so this is the first clue we've got How that Betty Ross is still alive. How these two pages go along, it does seem like a... Shocker. A reveal. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. I don't remember how they brought Betty Roth back. Uh, page 25 through 26, a gathering of bad guys, the intelligentsia. Mm. Who've we got there? The Red Ghost and his super apes, the Mad Thinker. The Wizard. The Wizard. The Leader, Modoc. And, and Doc Sampson. Mm. Ooh. Oh, um, Doctor Doom should have been in there, but he's buggering off with Scar at the moment. Oh, is he? Right, okay. I love this twist ending. I love that the hideout is where the Hulk hid out in the early days of the book. Yeah. General Thunderbolt Ross had to die, Bruce Banner tells the Red Hulk. Mm. Which is good, isn't it? Yeah. I like that. Uh, I really enjoyed the Red Hulk storyline. I tore through these hardcovers the first time I read it. I like Jeff Loeb, for the most yeah. part. And I like Ed McGuinness. What's well, for the little part? For the most part. Well, there are occasions where I think, no. Yeah. Well, with your Ed McGuinness, um, he's run on uh, Deadpool. He, he goes god-awful for some reason. Does he? Yeah. But when Loeb and McGuinness were on Superman... That was the only really readable Superman book. The other three at that time were pretty crap. Yeah. But the Loeb McGuinness ones were really good. The only problem was the storyline kept going over into other issues. Right. And it used to be, um, when I was reading Superman, it was Superman, Action Comics, Man of Steel, and the other one that I've forgotten, The Adventures of Superman. Yeah. And Man of Steel was always the weak link. Okay. But you gave it a pass, because 25% of it's a weak link, but the other 75% was gold. Yeah. Whereas when Loeb and McGuinness were doing Superman, it was 25% of it was gold and 75% of it was crap. Yeah. So I tend I dropped the books. And even now, I'll pick up the Loeb McGuinness stuff in the 50p bins. Hmm. But I don't really have much interest in the other stuff. I've got all the trades, haven't I? Yeah. That I've not read. No Limits through Return to Krypton and Our Worlds at War and Emperor Joker. I've not read them. Hmm. I do mean to. Um... There's, there's no denying the central mystery set up here is intriguing. There could be a little more done in terms of setting up the characters. Again, no one's really given an introduction, but the art's gorgeous. There's once again an argument to be made that Marvel and DC are sacrificing the periodical market to the almighty trade dollar. But overall, this was a fun, albeit very short read. I read this in seven minutes. Yeah. Of course, we know at this point who the Red Hulk is. Not at this point. No, uh, we do, because oh, we've yeah, read yeah. the entire story out, but we're not going to ruin it for you, because that is part of the fun of the story. Decompressed as hell, but fun. Uh, we've got all the hardcovers for this. I've seriously given thought to getting the rest of the story, because okay. these hardcovers don't have anything, only the lobe stuff. I mean, I didn't feel anything was missing, Another but reason. I can't find a checklist which I bitch about all the time, and now I want one. Yeah. <laughs> I can't I find a checklist for Red Hulk. Is there? Have you got a complete one um, with I'll, the other issues? Mm, you know, are they all it? in trade? I don't. I don't know. I don't think so. Right. We're not comic marts, and he gives us little flyers. Yeah. For a big event, and they got all issues out in which they come out. I've got one out. Right. Because I, I wouldn't mind reading the rest of it. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't mind no. reading it all chronologically. To um, be honest with there's you. nothing we're missing except for the Red Hulk. Um, War of the Hulks and World War Hulks. And are they no good? 
Well, no, it's the only stuff that tied into other books was Fall of the Hulks and World War Hulks. Right. Okay. Like I said, we read the six hardcovers and I thoroughly enjoyed it as it was. Yeah. But there's a part of me that's, well, there's a bit more of this I've not read. And I enjoy <laughs> it, it this. It could be good. Yeah, it could be. On the other hand, it could not be. There is that. Yeah. I don't want it ruining it for me. Yeah. So if there is a checklist out there on the internet somewhere, somebody email me the link so I can have a look at it and make a decision as to whether or not I want to carry on. Uh, that's it, isn't it? Mm-hmm. That's it for our Hulk show. Uh, I thoroughly enjoyed that. Because I love the Hulk, and I think we picked two excellent issues this week. We have thought about doing the entire Red Hulk saga, haven't we? Yeah. Because we just enjoyed it We could probably it so do it in one episode. We, pre- <laughs> we probably could. So we may do that in the future. We really dug on it. Yeah. But like I say, we haven't got it all. We've only got the hardcovers. Uh, next time, I have picked The Thing on his Billy Todd as my character that all we've not looked own. at yet. All by himself. Don't want to be. Who have you picked, Michael? Oh, or have right. you not decided I'm yet? Not decided. Excellent, good. So you're not last uh, minute at all. I'll, I'll leave this to the last minute. Like you always do. And I laugh when you're complaining on me. Yeah. We can't do it, Michael, for recording tomorrow. I'm <laughs> late. I need to have the issue notes done. Anyway, uh, check out Fantastic Cast that I do with Stephen Lacey because it's jolly good. Mm. But I would say that, wouldn't I? You would. And uh, we'll be back next week with more four colour goodness. Oh. Audio goodness. Well, yeah. But imagine it. Monotone goodness. (laughs) Monotone. Very good. (laughs) See you next week. Bye bye. Goodbye. Hey Kids Comics is a The Devil Will Make Work for Idle Hands to Do production, and all opinions expressed by Michael and Andrew in the show are the opinions of Michael and Andrew and probably not to be taken too seriously. All music and sound clips used in the show are copyright the respective copyright holders and no infringement is intended. Michael and Andrew make no money for this, much to their chagrin. New episodes drop every Thursday at aplayland.podomatic.com, but you can also listen through our Facebook page, which you can friend us on by using Hey Kids as the first name and Comics as the second name. You can also listen on our website, where you can also view the covers of the comics we've covered this week. That's www.heykidscomics.webspace.virginmedia.com. If you have an opinion on our opinions, you can email us on heykidscomics at virginmedia.com. We also have a forum, www.forumforgeeks, all one word, .com, where you can drop by and say hello if you're allergic to email. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Hey Kids Comics.